You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Willamette Christian Church in Westland, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at willamette.cc or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. Uh, I was gone last week, and uh, Christmas is in full swing now. It's good to be back. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy, no, I'm not going to talk about New Year yet. It's still the holidays, though. Good to see you. Um, Hey, before we jump into the message today, I have three quick reminders because it is the holiday season, but one has nothing to do with the holidays, but it has to do with today. Today is Discover. Right after the service, we're going to hang out. If you're new or newer, we would love to invite you to join us right Right after the service to hang out a little bit, get to know each other. We share a little bit about who we are, what makes us tick, and it gets, gives us some time to get to know each other. Uh, last service we had Discover, uh, in between the 9 and the 11, we had somebody that was there for the very first Sunday, other people who had been there for a few months, and everything in between. So even if you have been coming for a while, but you've never come to Discover, we would love to hang out a little bit and get to know you. Uh, second of all, this does have to do with the holidays. This is our last week of our Christmas benevolence. Giving. If you know nothing about this, this is a really fun thing that we do every Christmas season. Uh, this is where we give above and beyond our normal giving, and 100% of it uh, goes to families in need and different organizations. And so we invite 100% participation. I would love for you to participate, whether it's $5 or $5,000. This is kind of us as a church rallying together. And so uh, this money, 100% of it, is given away. So this will go to Night to Shine, our big event in uh, February. This will go to adoption and foster care families, other families in need. It goes to Father's Heart Street Ministry. Again, 100% of it is given away. And uh, you can do that by scanning the QR code on your bulletin. You can go online. You can give in the lobby after the service. And again, that goes through the end of this week. And this is really great. Uh, We have already given, are you ready for this? $25,000 into this offering. So yes, uh, I'm excited. Thank you for those of you who have already given. Uh, Newsflash, my wife and I, we have not given yet to the benevolence uh, giving, but we will this week. We're going to talk about it, right, babe? Yep, okay. Uh, We're going to talk about it. So if you haven't given, no worries either, Um, but we'd love for you to prayerfully consider participating so that this can be from all of us to our community. And then last but not least, Christmas season, Christmas services. So December 23rd, this is a a Friday. We have 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. and then on on Christmas Eve, Saturday, the 24th, 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. I would love for you to consider not just which one is going to work for you, but which one would work for your friends and your family members. And I would love for you to be considering who do you know that is close to you, uh, but possibly far from God? Who who do you know that, that you know, but maybe they're not going to church right now and they just need an invitation? This is such a great one, uh, opportunity. In fact, last year, we only had one service on the 23rd, but it was packed out. We couldn't handle any more people, and so we're adding a second service this year. I think it's going to be absolutely great. Okay, well, let's get into this Christmas series that started last week called Adore based on the beautiful song, O Come All Ye Faithful, with that beautiful line, O Come Let Us 
adore him. This is a series this Christmas season where we're looking at what it means to, to not just worship God, but to truly adore God, to participate in who he is and what he's invited us into. And I don't know about you, like maybe adore is in your everyday vernacular, uh, not in mine. I don't walk around going, oh, I just adore the Seahawks, you know, not at all. Uh, I, don't, I don't use that word. And, and the word means to, to care for, to love, to cherish. And, and even if you Google, like who uses the word adore or where is common themes. You don't get a whole lot of Google searches. And that's what pastors do when we have words like this. We're like, what would be relevant? But I did find one song that included the word adore. It's by Harry Styles, formerly of One Direction, my favorite band. Just kidding. Uh, but Harry Styles uh, sang or sings. I, he probably still sings it. He sings a song called Adore You. Now, I had never heard of this song. This is why you Google things to find these things out. But uh, Harry Styles sings the song, Adore You. And I'm thinking, okay, this is that One Direction guy. It's probably like this love song to this girl that he's singing to about it, how he adores her. Except this song is so weird. If you watch the video, uh, he's singing this entire song. He's singing to a fish. Yes, that's exactly right. Like, what <laughs> nervous laughter, what do you mean he's singing to a fish? And you can go home and watch the whole video. It's, it's all about a fish. I don't get it. But I wanted you to at least see a little bit of it and hear him sing how he adores, not God, not a girl, but he adores a fish. So I am going to give you eight seconds of this video, okay? Eight seconds to enjoy Harry Styles, formerly known uh, from One Direction, singing to a fish. Ready, set, go. That's enough, all right? So I'm telling you that Harry Styles, this song, he's like just staring uh, into a, a fishbowl, like, I walk through fire for you. Like, I hope you walk through the fire for the fish because the fish goes through the fire, they get fried. Like, that's, this is not going to end well for the fish. I don't get the song at all, but, but um, that's Harry Styles using the word adore. And if, in case you're wondering if this series has anything to do with that, it does not. Okay, so that is not why we're doing adore. But even if you don't use the word that often, even if you don't sing to fish about adore, I, I think we can all agree that we all have things that we adore, that we love, that we cherish, whether you're like Harry and, and you adore fish. We, we all have things that we hold on to, which is why at Christmas time, I do love the reality reality and the opportunity that we have to be reminded of why we're invited to bring our adoration to Jesus. Even if we've heard the Christmas story hundreds of times, and chances are you probably have, have even if you, you can repeat it and you've told it to others, maybe your kids, what Christmas time allows us to do is re, be reminded of the scope and the magnitude of what Christmas really is all about and who Jesus actually is. And so during this series and today, my hope is that this Christmas you would have this, this scope and capacity enlarged of who God is and what God has invited us into. That it wouldn't be just that simple little story that we repeat and we kind of celebrate during this holiday, but that we would see that we are invited to adore a God who is incredible and who has done so much for us. And, and the reality is it's, it's hard to adore when we don't understand. In fact, check this out. It's difficult to truly adore something we don't know about or haven't fully 
experienced. If we're going to use the word adore, right? Like I don't adore that fish that Harry was singing to because I do not have a relationship with that fish like apparently Harry does, right? I don't, I can't adore something, truly adore something that I don't know about or that I haven't fully experienced. And many of us, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to God and faith and spirituality, many of us may believe in God or we can even appreciate God. But adoration, that's a whole different level. To adore something is to to know deeply, to experience fully, to participate with. And that is what God is inviting us into. So in this series, we see different kinds of people from all different backgrounds and all different perspectives being invited to fully experience and fully participate in who Jesus is. And this is our reminder in this whole series to to come from wherever you are, in whatever condition that you are in, to encounter God and participate in the work that God is doing. I love this idea because the Christmas story is this reminder of people coming from all different places, all different cultures, all different backgrounds, all different mamas, like all different stories. And yet, even though they're so different, they're all invited to fully experience and even to participate with who God is and what he's invited us into. So last week, Megan was speaking. She spoke about the Magi, how they came from a completely different culture and were were invited to worship and participate in the goodness of God. And today we're going to be looking at, at the shepherds. And again, I don't know how many messages you've heard about the shepherds in the Christmas story, but I love the shepherd story. The shepherds are like my people. I can identify with them the most. But what I love about the shepherds is it's this reminder for me in whatever, from where, to come from wherever I am in whatever condition that I'm in that I can encounter and participate with God. Because I don't know about you, but when I look at the condition that I'm in, in fact, I was telling this to our team before church started today. I don't know how many days you can go without realizing that you're in a condition that desperately needs Jesus, but I can't go too many days where I wake up and something's going on and something's happening and I'm like, I'm a piece of work and I desperately need Jesus. And the shepherds in the Christmas story are this great reminder that no matter who you are, no matter what your current story is, no matter what your relationships have been like, no matter what shame you hang on from your past, that God is a God who invites us to come from wherever we are in whatever condition we're in to to encounter the goodness of God. And again, some of you know this, but the the shepherds were were literally on the fringe of society, geographically, like literally, literally. They were outside the outskirts of town, living uh, distanced and pushed away from the rest of society. Because they were shepherds, they were not allowed to come in and worship God. They were not allowed into the temple because they were ceremonially uh, unclean. And so they they were removed from society, but not just geographically, but also socially. They, these were the people that were way outside. Usually they were, they were criminals. They were at the bottom of the rung of society. In fact, scholars and theologians tell us that shepherds were, were at the very bottom of society. The only people below shepherds were lepers. And lepers were unclean as well. They were pushed to the fringes of society. And shepherds were much like the lepers where nobody wanted to be like them. 
And yet the Christmas story is this crazy idea that when God decided to announce the greatest announcement of all time, the people that he came to first were the people on the outside looking in. The people who were removed from society, God shows up and invites them to participate in the work that he's doing. So we're going to look at this story today. It's in Luke chapter 2, and it's 11 verses long, and we're going to kind of go verse by verse, and it begins in verse 8. So let's look at how it starts here. It says this, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Now, this kind of gives us a perspective of what's actually going on, because you got to know this about shepherds. Shepherds don't scare easily. They're shepherds. They're protectors. In fact, because they're the lowest rung of society, when you went to a job interview, and I'm kind of making this up, but they were the lowest rung of society. When you went to a, a job interview, it's not like they got background checks. I mean, they were the lowest of the low. Everyone knew, you're a criminal. You've had a past. You're not doing so well. You flunked out. Whatever it is, they, 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 they were the lowest of the low. In fact, the only job description that they really needed to have was to be brave. These brave, this is all we got. We've got nothing left in life, but we're brave. I don't care if it's a snake. I don't care if it's a wolf. I don't care if it's a thief. Uh, we don't scare easily. These dudes were terrified. In fact, can you imagine like the job interview when the only thing you need to be is brave? Like, what do they do? Do they like, you know, have like a, a little interview going on and then they just send in like Junior from like to sneak up on them and go, boo, and see what they do? They're like, Hello. Oh, you're hired. You, you're not afraid. You, you're brave. I don't know. Like, I'd probably freak out. But, but these guys, these brave people, they are, they're terrified. Their value is so low that, that they're shepherds. And shepherds even had values. There were shepherds of primarily three types of animals, ox, goats, and sheep. And sheep were the easiest to shepherd. And so if you were the lowest level of shepherds on the lowest rung of society, you were a, a shepherd of sheep. And these guys who are on the lowest on the outside, they might not have been afraid of old snakes and, and, and thieves. But when, when an angel shows up, man, they're terrified. And if anybody actually showed up into their life, they would probably be socially timid. If the Roman government showed up, there was something not good going on. If people came out to them, there was something not going on. And this one angel shows up. And again, we think of kind of this vast host of angels showing up and being terrified. That's actually later in the story. God like tried to low-key show up into their life, just brought one angel at the beginning. It still freaked them out. They're like, ah, right? They're absolutely terrified. And they're like, you're not supposed to be here. We're not supposed to be here. They were terrified. But look at what happens. It says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The angel's like, it's normal to be afraid, but you don't need to be. This is part of the good news of the story. I know it's normal to be afraid. You don't need to be. It's normal to think that this is for other people. But this is for everybody. This is for you. The angel's like, I didn't get lost from ways. I, you know, the Google Maps, uh, Apple Maps, they didn't send me to the wrong. We're in the right place. And you are getting the news first. 
And think about how news travels. News always travels top down, right? If you're married in here and you're like going to make an announcement to the kids, you get together with your spouse and you're like, when are we going to tell them about going to Disneyland? Or when are we going to tell them about going to Mike's drive-in for $1 soft serve ice cream? Which is the best, by the way. But like you kind of make a decision first and then you, you go top down with the information. And anytime you get that backwards, like, come on, dads, anybody out here talk to your kids before your wife and receive the wrath of, the, of doing that that way, right? Like, hey, kids, let's go to ice cream. And she's like, no. Not that my wife would ever do that because we're just like pastors and we never, okay. Anyways, but, but you never do that. Tra- news always travels top down. And so who does God go to first with this news of great joy for all people? He goes to the bottom. He goes to the people who thought they would never receive the news because they were on the outside of society. Friends, this is so good for you and me because you may think of yourself as last, but God is drawn to you. He's not repelled by you. He's actually gravitates towards us. We think of ourselves as last and God comes to us first. And this is not just the Christmas story. This is God's story. And if you are to read the entire scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, you see a reoccurring theme of the heart of God for humanity, the heart of God for you and for me, that, that God is drawn to those on the outside. Look at a list. Uh, we see throughout the scriptures, God being drawn to the widow, the leper, the tax collector, the prostitute, the chronically ill, the foreigner, the possessed, and the poor. God's heart is drawn to, he's not repelled away from, those on the margins, those who feel overlooked, those on the outside looking in. God comes to us and he's drawn to us in a way that I pray that we would be able to say, oh, come, let us adore him. Everyone is invited and God is drawn to those who think they've been left out. Which is why here at Willamette we say things like, it's okay to not be okay. That this isn't a place where where perfect people come and, and act like we have our act together. But that we understand we're all broken people. We're all in need of an access, in access of a God who would come to us in the state that we find ourselves in. Because come on somebody, how many of you would agree with me that you can believe in God and still be broken? Come on right? In fact, this is one of the things I love most about Willamette. When I first visited here, just as a guest, had no affiliation with Willamette whatsoever. I'll never forget, and some of you have heard this story before, but I walked into the lobby. I met somebody who was a greeter, and I'm like, oh, I'm new here. And then she's like, oh, that's great. Uh, you know, I've been here for a few years. And, and I'm like, well, what do you love about Willamette? And she didn't even skip a beat. She goes, I recognize Willamette was the church for me when I realized that my shoes didn't need to match my earrings. And she's like, and that's true for you too. And I'm like, noted. Okay, you know, got that, got that. In. But that was her perspective. And that's uh, historically true about Willamette. And we want to make that more true today than ever before. That people would realize that coming to Christ isn't about us getting up to God, but God coming to us wherever we find ourselves in. And you may look at this list and you may like, Brian, honestly, I'm not really on that list. I'm not really one of those that are on the outside that way. And maybe you're fine physically. Maybe you're fine financially. Maybe you're fine socially. But when it comes to spiritually, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you, you would say, if I'm honest, Brian, I, I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. 
I can hang with finances. I can hang with this socialized. I, I, I can hang physically. Uh, but but on, on the spiritual side, I think there are other people that God's probably drawn to more than me. And this is a story of God inviting all to experience fully and to participate deeply in who he is and what he's invited us into. See, the shepherd story is this great reminder for all of us that Jesus didn't come for the best people. He offers God's best to all people. I love this story. Jesus didn't come for the best people. He's not like, let's look at the, let's look at the resumes. Let's look at the SAT scores. Let's look at the family history. Let's look at your savings account. He's not looking at any of that. He doesn't come for the best people. He offers God's best to all people. And that means me, that means you, and that certainly meant for the shepherds. I think we could just stop the message right here and just stare at this, at this screen for a few minutes and let that soak in. Because the message is same for you as it was for the shepherds. Let's look at the verse one more time. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And what was this, this good news? He continues, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. What is this good news? Was it that the stock market is kind of rebounding? No, that wasn't the good news. Was it that they were going to graduate from sheep to goats and kind of work their way? No, that wasn't the good news. The good news of great joy for all people is that the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem. And the angel's message would have made sense to the shepherds specifically because these were the shepherds of Bethlehem. They knew the rumors. They knew the prophecies. They knew that one day the Messiah was foretold that would come from Bethlehem, from the city of David, where King David previously lived. His hometown was Bethlehem. And even though these were shepherds on the fringe, and even though Bethlehem as a city was on the fringe, in fact, one translation of the, of the name Bethlehem is the runt of the litter. Literally, the, the whole town was known as a fringe on society. But out of that fringe would come the Messiah. And out of this would, would come what is known when they said Messiah would be known as the son. The Messiah would be the son of David. And here the angels are saying that prophecy, that foretelling, the, the news of, of a king coming to restore and bring justice and righteousness back to the nation, that moment is here. And that matters for two reasons, specifically to the shepherds. Number one, because it was the son of David, he would be in the lineage of David, which would mean that the Messiah would have the right to rule Jerusalem and all Israel, that, that there would be a king that was coming to right the wrong and bring justice to a nation that had been overthrown. And they were waiting for this king to come and to bring this justice, not just as a savior, but one that would right the wrongs and bring restoration back to a kingdom. They, they knew that if it was the son of David out of Bethlehem, he would have the right to rule. But the second thing that mattered to the people of Israel and specifically to the shepherds was the kind of king that the son of David would be. Because even in the midst of all of David's screw-ups and mess-ups and hang-ups, in the midst of, of his brokenness, David was a man after God's own heart. 
And this Messiah would come in, in that same spirit that, that, would, that would be for the people, that would rule in righteousness and justice, and that this would be a king that would be for everyone, which meant there would be hope for everyone. And this was the moment. This was the announcement. Uh, angel shows up. The shepherds are a little freaked out. They're terrified, but he's like, no, this is good news. Not because your circumstances are going to change today. Not because there's, there's a little bit of money coming your way. No, because something is changing in the entirety of everything that has happened up to this point. And not just for Israel, but this king would come not to just redeem a nation, but to invite all people, no matter your culture, no matter your background, no matter your history, all would be invited. And Jesus would cross those cultural barriers. Jesus would cross those political lines and those national lines. It was good news literally for everyone. And again, this is another reminder that Jesus didn't come for his own kind of people. He came to invite everyone to become his people. You're invited, I'm invited, and these shepherds are now beginning to understand that they're invited. From the magi that we spoke of last week to the shepherds, completely different types of people, everybody is invited from every race, from every class, every outsider, and every insider. We are invited, oh, come, let us adore him. So who is he? Back to our verse here again. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. He is the Savior. The Savior who would save people from their sins by admitting that we need to be saved. He is a Savior to those who will admit, I need a Savior. I need to be rescued. I need the Lord. I need to make him Lord of my life. And then verse 12 kind of paints the picture of God's goodness. I love this verse. It's, it's one of the most popular verses, that, but it can be overlooked so easily. Look at what it says. It says, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now, again, if you hear this so many times, you're like, I get it, I get it. Away in a manger, right? Like, we sing it a lot. We talk about it a lot. You know, Ricky Bobby, it's his favorite kind of Jesus. You know, the six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus. Like, we, we've heard it all so many times that we can skip over this. But the angel is talking to shepherds. And the shepherds have been invited to go experience this Messiah. And they go, we're going to give you a sign. We're going to make sure that you see who this Messiah is. And the sign is a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, cloth lying in a manger. And this is so important. You see, we understand as the shepherds are hearing this. Think of how the shepherds are hearing this. Okay, we've been invited. We haven't died yet. God's glory is here. But think of how the shepherds are hearing of this. They're like, we've been invited to hear and to see the Messiah. How will we recognize the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord? The angel says, you're going to recognize him because he would look, don't miss this, just like them. They would go to a manger with animals where people were sleeping with animals overnight. And the angel's like, this Messiah has come all the way to you and is just like you. And these shepherds are invited in. 
to see this baby lying in a manger in a way that they can recognize, in a way that isn't too far off or so out there that they can't comprehend. God came and became flesh and dwelt among us so that we could identify with him. Think of this. The shepherd came to the shepherds. The good shepherd came to the shepherds in a manger for them to identify with him. And God doesn't just choose to come to rescue us and to just kind of pass by like, like when famous people come by, you know, and they want to like be with their fans. You know, there's kind of the barricades that happen. We've got first responders. They're like, you know, trying to keep the, the people on the side of the road. And maybe it's a parade and the famous people are, are like, I'm here. Hello. Hello. Good to see you. Yes. Hello. In fact, you know what? Santa does this. Okay. You know, Santa in the parade. He's like, oh, oh, you know, he's doing his thing. And everyone's like, stay back, stay back, stay back. And, and, and this is just true in life, like normally that there's this idea of admiration where we admire people that are kind of famous and kind of far, but Jesus didn't want to merely be admired. God came to dwell among us. He wasn't passing by with an entourage and saying, you're rescued and you're rescued and you're rescued. He came to dwell among us. He came to know what it is like to be us. And as much as we admire famous people, most of the time, we're like, that's cool. But uh, they don't know what it's like to eat mac and cheese seven days in a row, right? They don't know what it's like to get that hot plate going to college and eating off that ramen noodle every single night because that can be a deal when you get those ramen noodles. And you get like, I got 10 ways to cook ramen noodles. Like people start getting, like they start getting proud of their ramen noodles. You know what I mean? Because you identify with anybody with me in college. Like can anybody like have memory of that? You're like, ooh, a hot plate, yes, right? You, you know what it's like. You've been down that road. And we, we admire people. But Jesus came not to just go, I see you and you're rescued. He came to be with us. And that's good news for all. And so the shepherds are beginning to get this. They're a little terrified. There's this one angel. But if that didn't terrify them, the scope of this moment is, happens in verse 13. Because look at what happens. Suddenly, the angel was joined. Here it is. By a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven. And peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This is when everybody else shows up. And again, I don't have proof of this. But I'm, I'm making a little assumption here. Like God sends one angel. Angel, he's like, trust me, that's enough. Like, they're going to be freaked out. And, and it's like, you know, if one person goes and everyone else, whether they are invited or not, they're like, we're going. This is the event. Let's go. And all of heaven shows up in vast. In fact, this idea of vast host in, in the Greek, it literally means beyond count. And I don't know this to be true, but it would not surprise me if all of heaven showed up to display the magnitude of what this moment was about. That if we on this Christmas holiday could get the scope of what is happening here, that all of heaven would say, don't miss the significance of God coming to us. They all show up singing glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. No one's missing out. This is the moment. It had gotten so dark, but now the light has come. And I love the poet Wendell Berry. He puts it so simply and so beautifully. It gets darker and darker, and then Jesus is born. 
This is the good news for us all, that in the midst of our darkest hour, Jesus wants to show up in our lives. And he did it before, and he continues to do it today, that no matter how dark, no matter how far, no matter how distanced you feel from God or society or both, that God comes to us and this is a big deal and all of heaven shows up and we're like, we're crashing this party. Like we are here, sorry, you know, Gabriel or whatever your name is, but like we are here, we want it, we cannot miss this, it's time. And I think the shepherds now are going from, oh, except now like it's kind of a party, right? So everyone's showing up, they were already freaked out, there's nothing left to do. I think they're beginning to go, this is kind of awesome. So you kind of go from the, ah, you know, like, like is something happening right now? Except, except, I, I don't know if the wheels are still turning because they're like, this is really good news on those whom God's favor rests. Look at verse 14 one more time. It says this, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And I don't know if the shepherds are like, this is awesome. We've been invited. I'm not sure we should be invited. I don't know if God is pleased with me. <laughs> A little bit of assumption right now. But it's in this moment because I don't know about you, but when you read this, how pleased do you think God is with you? Or how pleased do you feel God is with you? you? Guys, I'm a vocational minister. I'm a pastor. I do this for a living. And I can wake up on any given day and feel the weight of this I don't know if God's pleased with me. I don't know how this is going. And it's so easy for shame and condemnation and, and this weight to be placed on us. Except these shepherds, they give us an example. Because when you do read the scriptures and go, how do you please God? What does it take? How well do you have to perform? You find out that's not in the scriptures at all. In fact, Hebrews 11 talks very directly about what it takes to please God. Hebrews 11 says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. In other words, to please God, it's not working your way up to God. If, if only you get rid of that habit, if only you fix this in your life, if only you do this, then God will be pleased with you. Friends, that is bad theology. In fact, I will say this, it's heresy. It is not the good news of the gospel that you have to work your way up to God. The good news of the gospel is that God worked his way all the way down to you so that if you will trust that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he can do and you pursue that path, God is pleased with the decision that you've made to trust him as savior rather than yourself. It's good news. And so the shepherds are kind of figuring this out because he defeated the brokenness that we cannot. And the shepherds are like, you shouldn't be here. Oh, there's more. <laughs> it was whom God is pleased. And then all of a sudden, I think that they're like, okay, I think this is happening. So look at how the shepherds display their faith. It says this, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So they're, they're processing all of this and then the angels leave. And I don't know if this is 
factually true, but this may be right here. This may be the first recorded, let's go, in the history of all riding because this is it. They're like, let's do this, let's go. It's like, you know, it's football game, let's go. You know, something's excited, let's go. This is them. And they're like, let's, let's believe, let's earnestly seek him. And so they put their faith in what the angel said. They didn't, they still had their records. They were still lowest on society. They, they still had this fringe setting according to everybody else. But God had deemed them worthy to be invited, to experience him fully, and to participate deeply. And they're like, we're in. If God's inviting me, let's go. And they hurried off. They were sincerely seeking him Indeed. And I love this idea. Let's go to Bethlehem. Earlier in the scriptures, it says they were in fields nearby. And again, you talk to or, or, or listen or read scholars or theologians. There's, there's common belief that these fields nearby, the reason why these shepherds were in the nearby fields and not the farthest away fields is because the, the sheep that were nearest the town were usually the ceremonial sheep who would be sacrificed in the temple. And because they had need of them quickly, they would be nearby town and they would come and get these lambs, these sheep to be sacrificed in the temple. And isn't it a beautiful thought to think of these shepherds who were on the fringe of society only to watch after the sheep that they couldn't even participate in the sacrifice in the temple were being invited to see not a a sheep sacrificed on an altar, But they were there to see the Lamb of God who was there to take away the sins of the world. The Messiah had come and they're like, we're in. If we're invited, we're in. And then the final piece in verses 17 and 18, it says this, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I love this part of the scripture because they didn't just come and worship after they had experienced the, the invitation, after they realized that no matter who you are and whatever fringe you find yourself in, that you are invited to taste and see that the Lord is good, that you are invited to see the, the magnitude and the scope of who God is. They didn't just internalize it and hold on to it, but they told everyone what had happened. They they took this good news and they realized this is for all people. And because it's for all people, we're going to tell everyone. And because they told everyone, remember, you can't adore something that you don't know about. And they exposed people to the good news of the gospel that everyone was invited. And all who heard it were amazed at what they had said. Everyone was amazed. In verse 20, it wraps up this story with this. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I'm so grateful that the story ends with this verse. That it doesn't just end with the manger, with them worshiping Jesus and finding Jesus in a manger. I'm glad that it doesn't just end with them telling everybody, but this reminds us that they went back to the same fields, the same job, the same circumstances, the same situations, the same class of society that people had put on them. They went back, but they were praising God because something on the inside of them had been transformed. They had a scope that was larger 
than their circumstances. They returned praising God. They went back to their hardship, but praising God because they had a larger view of who he is. And friends, this is such a great example from these lowly shepherds for us because we need to understand the difference between self-preservation versus adoration. Self-preservation, if I'm honest, sometimes I go to worship God and I go to adore God, if you will. And the only reason that I, I come before God or give God my attention is when things are not going well. I wish I could tell you that no matter what's going on, I just lift up my voice and I lift up my hands and I worship God and give God all the glory that, he's, that is due. And again, I'm not claiming this to be you. I'm just admitting it myself. So often I find myself only going to God when things aren't going well. And I go before God. I'm like, God, please bail me out. Please hook me up. Please let this get out of the valley and onto the mountaintop. God, I, I need you to come rescue me. And I find myself only praying when things aren't going well out of self-preservation because I'm not truly just adoring God. I'm just wanting my life to go better. But these shepherds, <laughs> they go right back to their very circumstances and their situation and they are praising God. They are lifting up God. They give us an example for the steps that we should take ourselves. These shepherds give us these three kind of action steps of what it means to adore God and to respond to the invitation. Walk, worship, and witness. Walk, worship, and witness. These, these shepherds literally, they didn't just internalize, they walked towards Jesus. And a question for you and for me is, is just the simple question. Are you walking towards Jesus? I know that we're all in church and in some ways we are because we're participating in this way. But again, I just know myself, I know what it is to believe in God but not be walking towards God. I know what it's like to be in church but to be far from God. And this Christmas season is no matter what you're going through, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what kind of desert your soul has been resting in, that there is this invitation to trust God at his word that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he'll say he'll do to walk towards Jesus. The second thing is to worship. It is to worship Jesus for who he is, not just what he would do for them. Not, not to just change their circumstances that day or to give them a better job or, 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 or to hook up their family, but to just worship. And as our our scope expands as we're magnet, as we understand how big of a deal this is. My prayer is that you would worship in the highs and the lows, that you would lift up your hands, you would lift up your voice, and that you would say, God, you are worthy of my praise because you came to reconcile everything that we can't. You are the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord. We worship Jesus for who he is. And then the example of the, of the shepherds to witness. They went and told people. So this is good news. You're invited. You're invited. The Messiah is here. My question for you today is who will you tell? Who, who are you inviting? Perhaps it's an invitation to our Christmas Eve services. Again, I love the holidays because it's such a, a bridge that people are willing to travel even when they find themselves being so far from God or so detached from church. 
I just talked to a couple in the lobby in between services, and they're like, Brian, if, if we're honest, we just haven't been a part of a church in so long. We're just, it's just been a mess, but we, we find that God is kind of unraveling the ball of yarn. And some people just need an invitation to know that God is still working, even through the hardships of life. These shepherds, on the fringe of society, on the outside looking in, give us such an example. So again, my prayer for you this holiday season is that you would come from, from wherever you are, whatever condition that you're in, and encounter and participate in the work that God is doing. Oh, come, let us adore him. We're going to sing one final song today. It's one of my favorite songs, especially uh, for this message today, because the song uh, is the full scope of what Jesus did. It begins with kind of the Christmas story, but it ends with the totality of what he is coming back to do. And it paints a picture, a scope, if you will, of the goodness of God and why we can lift up our cries, our tears, our hopes, and our prayers to a God who came near to us. So let's stand together. Let's sing this final song, and then we'll dismiss when the song is over.